Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. KJ, this is Front Row Knowles. How are you, sir? I am wonderful. I'm wonderful. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to our listeners. 2023 has arrived. Arrived in fine fashion. At least it closed out in fine fashion with FSU winning a bowl game. And then finally, finally, just as the decision's already been made to expand to a 12-team playoff, we get the two best playoff games that we've had in college football. And now everybody can't wait for a plethora of playoff games in a couple of years. My only disappointment is, does anybody play defense anymore? Well, that is a question I wonder about, too. We can talk about that later on. We're going to have Kurt Weiler join us from the Osceola. Florida State obviously has an assistant coach position to fill. Uh, but that is part of the conversation, Keith. When when we have to find something to gripe about and people say, well, I think you could do a little better at this position. I mean, there was no defense in those games. Limited, limited. Now, is that because defenses don't know how to play anymore? Or is that because offensive has, offenses have gotten that much more um, complicated? or that much more efficiency. I, I do believe, even though I'm old-fashioned, would love to see some more defense, I believe that what's happening at the middle school and the high school levels is you're, you're having kids learn how to play the game differently than they did 20 or 40 years ago. And by the time they get to college, particularly given the high school seven-on-sevens and the competitions associated with that, it's throw the ball or go home. And so everybody gets proficient at it. It's the same thing that happened with the three-point shot. When you didn't have the bonus of a point, an extra point, you didn't take as many long-range shots. Now that you got a three-point shot in basketball, everybody's raining once they get past the timeline. And nobody can make a mid-range jumper. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, very good point. But those, those two games were terrific. Florida State's game in hindsight and season – uh, not quite as uh, entertaining, maybe the bowl game, but it was a pretty doggone entertaining game. And I didn't see the the ratings for all of them, but leading into Friday, FSU's bowl game was the highest rated in terms of viewership uh, up until Friday. Anyway, I don't know. It's not going to surpass the playoffs, but it, outside of the playoffs, it's going to be on the very short list. Well, you got two brands in Oklahoma and Florida state that even in quote unquote down years, people still want to watch them. No question. Hopefully people still want to listen to this show. And if you don't want to listen to us, don't worry. We've got Kurt Weiler from the Osceola joining us our next segment. So stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Let's open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to Kurt Weiler from the Osceola, 
who has uh, done a great job covering Florida State, not just this year for the Osceola, but uh, throughout his career. Kurt, good to see you. It's good to be here, always. I, I will say, though, as your career progressed, I'm sure you were happy to get back to a bowl game or wondering when you might get back to a bowl game. So my first year really on the beat was 2015. So, yeah, I would say I, I got in at the uh, wrong moment, and this season was a lot more fun than some of the last few. I mean, it's you make it's definitely the like one day doing this is better than or like a million days doing this is better than like it's better than a lot of jobs don't get me wrong even when they're bad but it is more fun when they're good well we're just going to decide to blame all this on you it's your fault uh yeah yeah that's uh i i I would say that's probably fair how much different is it covering florida state with the openness that uh, coach norvell is allowing versus the, the, the tight chest in and holding it close to the vest uh, of prior regimes. Yeah, it's uh, it's unlike many other things, I think, as far as I can tell, in college football, honestly. I mean, I think I, I, I regularly tell people either on radio hits or, or things of that sort that uh that like of like the level of access we get. I mean, that we get two full practices a week during the season that we get every preseason practice except for the scrimmages and pretty much all spring I think except for the the scrimmages also and uh people uh are pretty shocked when I tell them that because it's not the norm I mean that's a it was I mean obviously in the Bobby Bowden days I know well before my time but the, the locker room was open and I think the access was more but it's kind of I mean like you said college football's moved away from that college football's definitely moved to a place of um protectiveness and of oh we have to keep all these secrets and oh if we let the media like the media is the enemy and if if we let them see it and no I mean Mike Mike Norvell's uh openness definitely makes it a lot easier to do our job because we are uh aware of what's happening and and can truly see on a week-to-week basis I mean guys who are improving who had good weeks bad weeks things like that it informs our coverage a lot I think the typical fan would not be appreciative of the of that aspect and how much easier it is for you guys to do it because they're simply reacting to what is in print, what is uh, on podcast, what is televised, et cetera. Uh, but I do think the one thing we all would agree on, it would be nice to have a little more information about injuries and true injuries versus discipline. And unfortunately... Uh, unfortunately, uh, that's kind of what we have to give up. And I know fans get pressure. You're not alone in that. I mean, the constant thing, we get to write such great practice reports, if you will, and we get to uh, share all those things. But often the, the questions or the comments are, was so-and-so practicing? Was so-and-so? That's what people want to know at the end of the day. I think they, they especially once the season's going, that's what matters more to them. And I get that. Unfortunately, that's not, that is kind of the the trade-off, if you will, of, of this is that uh that coverage is uh it, the, the injuries just aren't really something we're gonna be able to talk about i will say mike Norvell's pretty open about if they're season ending or if they're going to be extensive but yeah i mean that's the uh the trade-off for us is that uh, i think he would lose i think it, as much as coaches talk about oh if i let the media see practice it's a competitive disadvantage i don't think that's true most of the time but when it comes to injuries, that would be true. If we were openly reporting that, that would be a competitive disadvantage for him. So I get why it has to be that way, even if it can be uh, frustrating for all of us sometimes. 
Well, and the other aspect of it, not to beat the dead horse, but to get into the weeds, as Tom likes to say, you've got HIPAA and privacy issues. You know, the players can always tweet or volunteer what's wrong with them. Uh, but sometimes the institution can get into problems and get into issues when they volunteer it on behalf of. Yeah, that 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 does happen from time to time. But players aren't always the most most uh, forthcoming about that that either. Well, fellas, I'm not sure what happened to my computer, but I disappeared for three minutes. I'm glad to rejoin the uh, the oh, show. Oh, you were gone. You were gone. I know. It's like most things; nobody noticed I was absent. Uh, Kurt, just to just to finish this, and again, we're in the nobody really cares about this detail, but I was hosting a coach's show. I guess it was after the Syracuse game where they had run the Philly special for the two-point conversion, right? And so I just asked him in the middle of the show, what, what's, what do you guys call that play anyway? Just a innocuous quick question. Well, he didn't like it because he doesn't want to share the actual name of the play, and he made that pretty clear during the break. Like, I'm not going to share it. I said, got it, understand it, but that's all in the name of – competition and he doesn't want any secrets out there with anybody and i get it yeah because i guess if you're sharing that you almost have to change the name of it if you're ever going to call it again which you probably are at some point i mean it's uh the same one i it's a question i would like to know i wouldn't mind knowing the the the, the name of the play the the mark easton douglas lining up at left tackle that they ran for a touchdown the hide the tight end play like that's another one that like you'd like to know the name and you you know better than asking because that's not something that people are normally uh, especially forthcoming about hey guys how about this everybody knew what 34 wham was because you were going to score on it maybe we will get back to the point where they can tell them what is coming and they still can't stop it. well that's, uh, that's a good segue. that's a good segue though keith so kurt Will FSU be at a point next year where they can tell the opposition what play is coming and then execute it regardless? <laughs> Against a decent chunk of the schedule. I mean, it, it is weird. That's all a weird situation because obviously I don't think – no one saw 10 wins this season. So it's hard to project the wins and losses. But when you look at that schedule compared to the one they just made it through, it definitely looks uh, more manageable, shall we say. Obviously starts with LSU – Clemson's on there. The rivals are on there, but doing away with the uh, the three five five or do, starting the three five five, doing away with the Atlantic and Coastal divisions. I think. Uh, I mean, it's Duke, it's Virginia Tech, it's Pitt. Nothing against all those teams. The Florida State probably play a number of those teams, then NC State every year, then Louisville every year. Some of the teams that have been kind of a thorn in their side. I'm excited about the change and, and the going away from divisions personally. I really am. And as a side note, I I haven't ex- explored the schedule that much, but I know on the road, it, it's a little similar to what they had, but they play uh, at BC, at Wake Forest, at Clemson, and then at Pitt next year are the conference games. And and if you look at those schools, uh, Wake will be breaking in a new quarterback. BC will be breaking in a new quarterback. Clemson, I mean, he played the bowl game, but they're breaking in a new quarterback, albeit a five-star and Pitt is technically breaking in a new quarterback, although he's BC's old quarterback, so I don't know where that counts. But uh, to me, that's a lot different narrative than what we had this year where Jordan Travis went into the year and people said maybe he's the seventh best quarterback in the ACC or something like that. Curious both your thoughts on this because you had Devin Leary and you had Malik Cunningham and you had the kid at Virginia and you had Miami's quarterback and all and you had DJ. You had all these quarterbacks in front of Jordan, and now it's really him and Drake May, I think. 
there's a lot of off season left. Obviously, it's weird to be saying this already. If I had to pick now, he's probably my my preseason player of the year pick next year, just because all he brings back while well, Drake May who had a great year is losing his offensive coordinator and is losing his best receiver by a mile and Josh Downs. I think he could very well be that guy next year. And it, you're right. I mean, what a difference a year makes. Yeah. Guys, how many years in the past has it been? What are we going to do to recoup? What are we going to do to get uh, better? And now we're already talking about the 23 season. We've talked some about the Osceola staff meetings. It will be nice to not have to sell sunshine this offseason. Like the sunshine is permeating through everyone. We're not having to, to say those things. Those things are existing. We're not having to kind of sell a potential bill of goods. No, people want the season. I mean, we're ready to see the schedule, which will come out later this month probably. I mean, we know who they play, but we'll we'll know when they play. Uh, there's just a lot of excitement and, and optimism. Where, have you been surprised if you go back? Well, let's go back to the day after the Florida game, uh, Kurt. Did, did you see it coming that so many guys were going to opt in for the bowl game? Did you see it coming at that time that Fabian Lovett was going to come back for another year? that things were going to break as well in the portal as they have for FSU? Um, I thought the bowl game, I, I, I wasn't sure. I thought that some of the decisions were going to go on for a while, and that normally helps. I did not think there was anybody who, who, knew, they were, who knew they were gone, and those are normally the guys who you see opt out pretty quickly after kind of the regular season ends. So I thought there was a chance. I'm not sure I thought everyone would be there. I mean, that is a testament to – it's a mix of things. Obviously, I think it is partly Mike Norvell's culture and the the types of guys he brings in. I think it's also, I mean, they haven't been in a bowl game since 2019, and I think that plays a role. I think even a Jamie Robinson who's moved on and a Jared Verse who may, it's kind of still up in the air, wanted to kind of finish out this season. And and But, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I thought everyone would have played because, I mean, even Jamie, who I know was more of a, a – the decision he had to make, it was more of a debate than I thought it would be when he said that he had played his last game at Doak. He said that right after the Florida game. And I know, I mean, he deliberated truly for a few weeks about this. So it's a, it was definitely a surprise. You know, guys, one of the things, and I've had a couple conversations with folks, including a former assistant at FSU about the opt-out process and, and it just, you've got two sides of the equation. You've got Florida State that had very few of any. And you've got Alabama who had 12 of their 85 kids opt out. And and that just seems so, I, I fill in the blank. I don't even know the word to describe that when you're at Alabama doing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's in Alabama that almost speaks to that the Sugar Bowl as great a season as that would be for just about everybody else is a disappointment because you didn't make the playoff. I mean, frankly, as crazy as that is, it's, you see it with Oklahoma too, where they had a bunch of opt-outs. That's probably more the first year coach thing that may be a bit more understandable as to where you're right. I think uh, Alabama is uh, it's, I mean, it's interesting to see that many, but uh, they, uh, they kept the two they really needed to uh, take care of Kansas state. That They did. So not an opt-out, but moving this conversation along, Treshawn Ward is now in the transfer portal, which I don't think surprises many given the depth in the running back room for Florida State, which, by the way, they're bringing in another freshman, and there was a kid who transferred from Penn State who's been out all year. So uh, it's not like the room. And, oh, by the way, Trey Benson's coming back. But general thoughts, 
again, I don't, I don't think anybody's surprised on that, but where, where do you think he might land in terms of what level school, uh, Kurt, I, meaning can, can he get to a program that's a top 10, top 20 program, do you think, with his skill set? And then the second part, that loss is not insignificant from a standpoint of the way his running style is. Like he was getting yards against Oklahoma that Trey Benson couldn't get. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a good problem to have, obviously, to have kind of too many talented running backs at compared to reps to go around, not kind of be able to give everybody their fill. I mean, that's obviously a, a good problem to have if you're a Florida State. But, yeah, I think he will be felt in some ways. I think that you could talk about, I mean, that Oklahoma game was great evidence. I think the LSU game, too. There are certain defenses and certain situations where I think his running style was a better fit. I think, uh, and that, I mean, you saw that a few times a season. I mean, obviously he was the second leading rusher this season was kind of the main guy until he got hurt was the, I think the third leading rusher last year as well. I mean, he, uh, since getting put on scholarship has made a significant impact and I think led the ACC in yards per carry. I mean, that's a, it, it is, I think he, he could be a, a guy who, uh, stays at this level. I mean, it's funny. You, you talk about connections. I, I, I haven't heard this for sure, but his high school teammate is Michael Penix out at Washington. Like, could he go there? Could maybe a Kenny Dillingham be interested in him? Could a Dion be interested there? It, it's interesting. I mean, Dion's definitely in need of transfer help, kind of instant impact guys. And I think Trayshawn would fit that bill. So I think he'll definitely land at a, at a prominent program. I don't think this is a taking a significant, significant step down. I think, but he wants to kind of, if he sees himself only having one more year, be that running back one and, and, and who's to blame him. Kurt, do you have an opinion on verse or do you have any advice for verse? Um, my advice to Jared verse, we could start there would I think be to come back because I think he as much as anyone more than, more than Fabian, more than Johnny, it may, about the same, I would say, as Johnny Wilson, if he comes back, could uh, could really help his draft stock with, I think, a full another full season, another off season in the the strength and conditioning program, and a healthy season. I mean, I think he was able to get back, but I'm not sure he was ever kind of a hundred percent again after that injury. I think he, I mean, you never saw a game like that LSU performance again after his injury. So I think, I mean, I would, I think he is a a somewhere in the late first you're still seeing him there in some mock drafts or, or or second round guy I think if he comes back and has an impactful year you look at him he could be a top 10 type pick for sure so I would tell him to come back um I think a lot of it's going to come back to the uh the the draft feedback I think Florida State and there is a feeling of it's not done yet but I think there's been a feeling of pretty good for a while I think I mean obviously a situation like the battle's end and just being in the NIL era in general helps that tremendously where you're able to provide financial opportunities that can kind of offset some of the money they're giving up by delaying their their professional future the counter to that would be what you alluded to he did get hurt this year and do you want to take the chance of that happening again next year before you sign your first contract and it That's could be tough, more severe. I mean, yeah. he may not have been 100%, but I think he only missed one game and then like right. the half game at Louisville where he still played 11 and a half games. And yeah, in a, non a more severe injury is absolutely possible and would make his stock potentially go the other way. The thought did go through my mind as guys were dropping like flies on the FSU defense during that game against Oklahoma. And then you lose an offensive lineman to a significant injury late in the game. 
uh, it did cross my mind that they may have trouble getting so many guys to opt into bowl games in future years if they have decisions to make. We're talking with Kurt Weiler from the Osceola. I want to talk a little bit more about what next year portends for Florida State. We'll do that right after this on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles. All right, Kurt and Keith, you guys watched the playoffs the other night. Tremendous, tremendous games. Good job by... uh, college football and the networks to sync it up so that the kick missed just as the clock struck 12 literally on Ohio State season um here's my question you got TCU in the mix that's going to play for a title TCU's composite recruiting ranking is like 30th or 35th or something like that Florida State's is higher than that but it's not where Georgia sits so as you watch those games or reflect back on them and think about what FSU has coming in and coming back can Florida State play on that stage um, I think they can make that stage. I mean, I think kind of the grand equalizer you saw it with TCU under first-year head coach Sonny Dykes is the transfer portal can kind of be an equalizer in that regard where you may not be bringing in a ton of four- and five-stars out of high school, but you're taking in kids who got developed and really blossomed elsewhere who are kind of ready, like instant impact type guys. I think Fentrell Cypress, the UVA transfer, is a, a perfect example of that. I think, I mean, Florida State's secondary numbers were good. I think you watch the play and you might not think the secondary is quite as good as the numbers would tell you. And I think a guy like him who didn't allow a touchdown this season and played a lot is uh, the type of addition that, that can, can uh, get Florida state there now getting there and competing there, I would say are two different things. I'm not convinced that, that Florida state could hang in the playoff next year. I'm not, I'm not convinced it could hang with a Georgia yet, even, even with how well they've done in the portal. But I think, I mean, they can absolutely be on that stage next year if things break right. My two cents, guys, would be don't ever, don't ever discount development of players. A three-star in high school can become a five-star in college in one season if he's got the right motivation and the right coaching and is put in the right place. Uh, I know you've got to have some thoroughbreds, but as this show and our listeners are very familiar with, you also got to have a few mules, and I can say that because I was one, in order to keep everybody moving in the right direction. And I think developing players is something 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to look back and say that Norvell staff was able to accomplish. If I, if I, if I unmute myself, it helps there. Sorry, fellas. Well, to me, we all have our opinions about where Florida state needs to get better as does the coaching staff. But I think who they're bringing in in the portal really answers the question of where they think they need to be better or, or indicate, I mean, they've brought in three offensive linemen, two defensive tackles, two tight ends and a cornerback. So to me, Kurt, I'm wondering if you agree that says that they, because they're, they're being pickier this year, they're getting the higher end of the transfer portal. They're not getting, oh, hey, a linebacker said yes, let's go ahead and take them. I mean, they're these are the guys they targeted and brought in. Does that not answer the question of where Mike Norvell feels that his team needs to be better? Uh, yeah, and I think also, I mean, watching the Oklahoma game kind of confirms that. I mean, obviously, you're without Fabian Lovett, which is a big deal, and that, that defensive line, especially the interior of the line, was much better when they had him this season, and him coming back is a is a big deal for them 
even without factoring in the guys they're adding. But I mean, you look at a, a, an Oklahoma offensive line that was without four starters, four of the five starters. They didn't hold up that well in pass blocking. Florida State made an impact there. But they run back pretty well. I mean, they uh, they they were were holding their own despite being almost entirely guys who probably didn't play a ton this season. And so I think that drills home. I mean, why Braden Fisk was so was such a priority? Why uh, Darrell Jackson was was such a priority. And I mean, on the other side of the ball, I think you saw even an Oklahoma defense that wasn't great this year was able to affect Florida state's offense really in the run game. And I think, I mean, three guys as experienced as the, the, the three they're bringing in there uh, are a, uh, it's a big deal. And I think, I think it, it will be critical, especially when you're losing, I mean, two established guys in, in Dylan Gibbons and Dimitri Emanuel. Another aspect to that is, and we talked about this last week, Tommy, on the show, is Florida State's twos are not as good as Oklahoma's twos. So when you have to play a full 60-minute ball game where you have to substitute and you have to give players rest, there's where that maturity and that depth comes into play. Say what you will about Oklahoma, but I think they were like ninth in the, the talent composite ratings that you were talking about, and Florida State was 17th. Lincoln Riley may have left them high and dry, but he recruited like like his tail off before doing that. Yeah, it was apparent to me pretty early that that oh, the, the cupboard's not bare at Oklahoma. Uh, F, FSU was the better team, but I don't think they were the more talented team if you went player for player. Well, that's what the talent composite would say. All right, so what about the, uh, the coaching vacancy that Florida State has now, Kurt? Where do you think that's going to land with Marcus Woodson moving on to Arkansas? I mean, I think I don't think it will 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 go on too long. I definitely think Florida State wants to move somewhat fast on that. But the nice problem for Mike Norvell is that uh, it is much better to be making this higher now, coming off a ten win season, than off uh, the last few uh, seasons he had. I think he's going to have a, a better pick of the litter. You wonder if he uh, doesn't make a run at TJ Rushing, who was originally the DB coach here and then left shortly after to go to A and M. Maybe he wants out of that uh, that situation going on over there in College Station. Uh, a few really good DB coaches up at Syracuse that that I think that some have some ties to the staff in some way that uh, Florida State may take a look at up there. I think guys like a Torian Gray at South Carolina or, or there are plenty of other options. I think uh, you're going to have much more of the pick of the litter. And that, I mean, I think will help matters. I think we've talked about it. I mean, it's an important season where I think Marcus Woodson recruited very well. I don't think that was the knock on him. I don't think that's why he kind of wasn't retained. It was mutual, but but it wasn't purely it wasn't purely him moving on. I, I don't he, know I what. Think, go ahead. I don't know what the final story will be, and I don't know if we'll ever know the final story. But the way it's been presented, and that his contract was up twelve thirty one, and there were not discussions about extending it, renewing it, or whatever that at least were reported. Um, I think Coach Norvell has had in his mind that this needed to be a change, and I won't be surprised if he hasn't already had a couple of three people even prior to that he's had conversations with. And don't break this, but you got two guys on staff already that have inside roles, and you got a pretty dang good player over at FAMU coaching corners if you want to go with FSU kids. Yeah, it's uh, it is interesting there. I, I think you're right in that. I think I know uh, it was kind of an old Bobby Bowden move when he was maybe thinking about making a move like that was to not outright fire a coach, maybe tell the coach, hey, 
why don't you go to the coaching convention, see if we can find you somewhere else to be kind of being able to not publicly shame them while also kind of telling them like, Hey, you don't have a spot here anymore. And maybe that is what this was. It, it definitely sounds like the case. Well, and there's a lot to be said for that. Norvell has had a good track record in terms of his coaches coaching hire. So uh, I'm going to leave it in his hands and not say that FSU needs to get an FSU guy or it needs to be this person. I mean, Norvell knows what he's doing there on that front. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's wanted uh, Terrell Buckley for the longest time. Unfortunately, I'm not sure he'll leave the uh, XFL head coaching job he's got. I mean, that's quite a gig he's got over there. Oh, but, come uh, on, guys. Come on, guys. What's he making? $200,000 a year in a league? It, that it's has a no, good question. No I mean, I, it's a, it, I don't know how much the rock, I don't know how much the rock is, uh, is, has gotten his pockets, but I, I did just look and I don't know if this is an accurate list, but I seem to recall when TJ rushing left, uh, it really wasn't a big salary difference. And I just looked and it looks like a pretty minimal difference between what he's making at A&M and what Marcus Woodson was making. Um, I'll try to look up what T-Buck's making, but you know, I, I thought of it when I saw people start with their lists, a name that I thought of is Tony Carter, who is a former FSU DB who's been at the pro level a little bit. And so I Googled what he was doing, and he's on Buckley's staff with the XFL team there as the defensive coordinator. So the timing may be wrong for him, too. I don't know. But uh, we'll see. They'll, they'll get that worked out. But when do you think uh, Jared Verse will make his decision? And I should point out for our listeners' sake, we're recording this on Tuesday in case something happens before you listen to this. It's funny. I almost thought when uh, when they, all the news started happening on, on Sunday, on, the, on New Year's Day, that it was just going to be a rat. They almost like set up and organized like a day of good news to kind of start 2023 when Lovett came back and then Fentral Cypress committed. That didn't happen. I think he's got what? I think about two more weeks is the 16th, I think, is the uh, kind of deadline where he has to make the decision one way or the other. I'm not sure it will go on that long, but I do know it was important to him to kind of go home. His mom's got the uh, war room set up, the same war room that helped him choose FSU over Tennessee and a lot of other schools. I think he's taking some time to have those conversations, kind of get that input. I mean, possible he's even easy. I don't know. I don't know kind of what all will go into that, but I don't think it will go all the way to the deadline, but I also am not sure it's going to come down. Hopefully not before this goes up. And remember, too, guys, I've never been able to have it properly explained to me how quickly they get their NFL evaluations. You know, those that get in quickly and ask for them, get them. But I don't know how much time and resources are, are granted to that once they get the bank bankroll of folks. So I'm not sure he's heard from the NFL is what that that is. Maybe he has. Kurt, maybe, you know, but that also may come into play. I think I think he has. Heard. I think, I think, I mean, I know schools are only allowed to submit a certain amount of players for that. It can't just be everybody who wants it gets it. That's how they kind of limit it, limit it somewhat. And I think he has heard. And uh, honestly, from what I've heard, it's not, I think, as, uh, as, as good as a lot of mock drafts would, uh, would tell you. Well, next Monday, January 9th is when the semester begins. I would think we'd have a decision by then, unless he's, unless we're really in the negotiation phase of NIL dealings where he's going to, maybe hold out from going to class, waiting on more dollars to come back. But I don't think we're quite there yet. I would I would hope that uh, maybe by then we'll have that decision. Keith, your head is still spinning because you have not adjusted to this NIL transfer portal era. I can see it. The steam is coming out of your forehead right now. I, I, I am learning to adapt. I'm just slow, very slow. As Coach Bowden always said, when you talk about Jones speed, it's not that he can move fast, but he does have accuracy of movement. So I'm trying to be accurate in how I look at things. <laughs> Kurt, we will, uh, on that note, 
once Keith reaches the accuracy of movement uh, phrase, which is uttered, I don't know, it's been, it's been maybe a year since you brought that one out, Keith. We'll let our guests go. So, Kurt, we appreciate it. Thanks, as always, sir. Thanks, guys. Thanks, right, Kurt. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. KJ, uh, let's digest anything jump out uh, from what Kurt shared with us there. Well, the biggest thing I think all FSU fans are, are you know, looking at is, is what's Jared Verse going to do. Um, I think there will be some that are a little bit upset with uh, Ward's leaving, uh, but I think you speak more so towards the media side about what folks that are really plugged in uh, think and, and have said about that running back room. I think there will be some Florida State fans, including our listeners, that maybe are a little bit of taken back that he's leaving, but it's understandable why. So I think the next domino is, is what's Jared going to do uh, in terms of staying or leaving uh, for the NFL. And, and I think he's being very deliberate. He's being very uh, pragmatic or pragmatic, I guess would be the right word. I was not aware of his, uh, his war room that his mom had set up. That's, that's some good insight. I was not aware of that. So um, I, I think he'll, he'll do pardon me, the due diligence that's required. And by the way, I had this conversation uh, with some folks uh, on Tuesday during lunch. You know, Mike, Coach Mike has been very, very transparent with these kids uh, about what he thinks about their NFL future. Uh, and I think, um, I think they're learning that he's not going to always try to talk them into coming back if, if there's not that much more that they can do at the collegiate level before they move to the next level. And I find that very refreshing. How about you? Yeah, I think if you were going to look at, uh, I don't want to shortchange him because there's a lot of things you'd point to as to why Norvell's having success. But at the top of the list or close to it would be transparency and accountability. He's transparent in his message and he holds everybody accountable, which is to say the assistant coaches and himself. And when I say that, we've heard him after games. If if a play didn't work or something didn't work, he'll, he'll say, I've got to do a better job at that. And not everybody will take that blame themselves as a coach. They may say, well, we didn't execute it this way or this player did that wrong. Uh, and so I think that resonates, too. Those are two of the reasons he's had success in terms of the culture and the players that he's been bringing in, in my opinion. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, the coaching staff and with the defensive back coach leaving, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, one of the things that Coach Bowden was was – very successful at doing was retaining, you know, his top assistants. Uh, you know, you had Jim Gladden who coached for him for 28 years and Mickey Andrews coached for him for 25 years. And Chuck Amato, after he became a head coach, even came back as an assistant coach to work for him. And certainly today's environment is a little bit different with the money and with uh, how things are, are taking place. But I, I think if you talk to the assistants for Coach Norvell, they would tell you they enjoy working for him. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that can always be said about other head coaches. You might, be, you might want to be associated with them. But at the first opportunity you have to get out from under them, you might be jumping at that opportunity as well. 
Yeah, I mean, there's being a pretty good football mind is another reason he's had success too, Keith. By the way, no question, no question. I uh, I continue to marvel at the offense and and just how much it's progressed. And here you go, Keith. How much of it do you think is Norvell and Atkins, and how much do you think of it is just the evolution of Jordan Travis? Obviously, it's symbiotic, but I mean, if you were going to give percentages, where would you assign them? Well, how is Jordan Travis going to evolve if you're not teaching him? I mean, you follow my train of thought? Oh, I, mean, I do. I do. Jordan's only going to do what he's coached to do. And so I, I think it's much more coaching than it is Jordan. Now, that does not mean that Jordan had not worked his tail off. Doesn't mean that he's very, very perceptive. Doesn't mean that he has a great capacity to process information. But you can't process information if it's not given to you. Yeah, I think we've talked about this. We talked about this on our last show, but when you look back at, look back at 2020 and 2021, when FSU didn't have half the the talent on the field of, of what they've had this year. Uh, and yet there were games where Norvell and Atkins were able to find rushing yards. Yep. And and now we've seen it consistently every week this year. And, and honestly, when you look back at the bowl game, Keith, Florida state had an answer. So Oklahoma loaded the box. They weren't going to let FSU run its bread and butter running plays. Right. But FSU had an answer. That was a couple of drives. We tried it. We couldn't do it. Okay. We're going to throw the ball. And that was the Oklahoma plan was to say, we're going to make Jordan Travis beat us, which he probably bought brought from Clemson. Cause the last time he faced Jordan Travis, when he was at Clemson, Travis and FSU couldn't beat him with the pass. They that just owned also the line correct. of scrimmage. Yep. So they tried the same thing. And guess what? Florida state. I, I know it's different teams we're talking about here, but it was the same mindset. Florida State shredded Oklahoma once they went that route. You know, some of the designs and some of the, the just the schematic part of these uh, pass routes uh, and these in these uh, calls are are really phenomenal. I mean, I would love to just spend some time with Norvell and Atkins. Uh, and you and I have had that opportunity in years past with other staffs to just sit in on meetings and just, you know, be a fly on the wall and listen. And those are unbelievably entertaining and enlightening um, opportunities for, for those of us that uh, have had those opportunities. No question. All right, Keith, a couple minutes to go. We'll, we'll see what happens with uh, Jared verse Florida state. Uh, since you and I last talked, which was on Friday, I think when I was driving home from Orlando did get the news that uh, Kurt alluded to you wake up on new year's day and, Boom, uh, Fabian Lovett is coming back. And then, boom, the top cornerback in the in the portal is transferring in. And then a day or two later, the top kicker in next year's class, top kicker in the country, says, I'm coming to FSU. I mean, it's just uh, one good piece of news after another these days. Remember, we always used to talk about under the old system when the signing day was in February that the old man, Coach Bowden, would always pull out a rabbit out of his hat. Well, you don't do it on one day anymore because of the way things are structured, but there's a few rabbits in, in that magician's hat that coach Norvell and his staff are continuing to produce. Would you agree? Yeah, I would certainly agree. And I'm ready. I'm like most, I, I want to play the season. Let's play the spring football game in about three weeks. And then let's kick things off. Maybe as the weather gets a little warmer in mid March, can we, can we make that adjustment? Tommy, I'm, I was thinking the other day, the only thing that would make it better is if all of a sudden we decided, you know, the spring game is going to be an actual game against an opponent, and we're going to we're going to do the the Tom Block 
suggestion about how to structure strength, string. And uh, we're going to scrimmage with Auburn home and away for two years and then scrimmage with Georgia home and away for two years and then scrimmage with UCF home and away for two years. I mean, is, is that the last shoe? Uh, I'm sure there are other things, but between the playoff and doing away with the divisions, uh, is that the last shoe on the Tom Block if I'm king of the world and commissioner of college football, other than officiating, that you would finally be happy? Well, you just said other than officiating. Well, finally be happy in, implies that I'm not happy generally. That is true. I'm sorry. That's not a good statement. That's a little bit of a reach. I am getting older, so so maybe I'm uh, persnickety like you are, Keith. Uh, yeah, we got to get remember, national- Tom. Just remember, you cannot have curmudgeon. That's me. You can be persnickety, but I get to be curmudgeon. Maybe that'll be the name of this show in about eight years, Keith. It'll be curmudgeon <laughs> and persnickety. <laughs> no, it won't, because you always want Tom Bill, uh, Tom Billing. Oh yeah, persnickety <laughs> and curmudgeon. You're right. You're right. No, nationalized officials. Everybody gets two bye weeks, so you could start in week zero, and it's your choice whether you play in week zero or save the bye week for later. And, uh, and yes, whatever else you just said that's already left my brain, yes, I'm in favor of that. Understood. We're out of time. All right, folks, we'll do this uh, each and every Wednesday. Until then, have a great week and go Knowles.